I don't put this in the nightmare category. I mean, obviously, we don't want any player to get exposed. It's not a positive thing, but I don't see it as a nightmare. We built the protocols to allow us to continue to play. That's why we have the expanded rosters. That's why we have the pool of uh, additional players. And um, we think we can keep people safe and continue to play. What's going on, everybody? Welcome in. It is Friday, July 31st, 2020. I'm your host, as always, The Pody. And that sound clip, that soundbite right there that you heard was indeed MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred saying that he does not believe the outbreak in baseball right now is a nightmare scenario. And He's absolutely wrong. Wake up and smell the coffee, Rob Manfred. You have a problem in baseball right now, and it is a big one. And it started with the Miami Marlins. So back on Sunday, four players tested positive for for COVID, including starting pitcher Jose Arena. The team still elected to play its game against the Phillies. Apparently, uh, manager Don Mattingly had his shortstop, Miguel Rojas, talk it over with teammates over group text. And that's never good when you're discussing stuff over group text. And of course, they wanted to play. Well, by Monday, 13 players and coaches had tested positive. Then you move on to Tuesday. That number increases to 17 players and coaches. I believe it was 15 players, two coaches had tested positive. Half the active roster Okay, the Miami Marlins were scheduled to play the Orioles on Monday and Tuesday. Those games were canceled. The uh, Major League Baseball then stepped in and put the Marlins season on hold for a full week while they tried to contain the spread. The team has been going through daily testing. They are, they were in Philadelphia until about just now. What I what I just found out uh, via ESPN. The uh, an 18th player just tested positive for COVID today, and now the Marlins are getting multiple sleeper buses to take the infected players and coaches from Philadelphia to back to Miami because they are still in Philadelphia. Okay, all in all, the Marlins have had 18 players of the 33 that are traveling with the team and two coaches. So I believe that's 18 players plus the additional two coaches, which is 20, have tested positive over the past eight days. All games for the team have been postponed through Sunday by Major League Baseball. So how can you sit here, Rob Manford, and try to tell us that there is not a problem and that this is not a nightmare scenario? Because really, it is. Not only that, The Phillies and Yankees had a two-game series set for Monday and Tuesday. Because the Marlins played the Phillies, they had to cancel that series for precautionary reasons. Although the Phillies tested negative and then the Yankees tested negative. Although now, yesterday, I believe a coach on the Phillies tested positive. So this is just a revolving cycle. The Phillies have not played at all this this week. Neither have the Marlins. Okay, there have been games canceled uh, here and there every single day. Okay, as people uh, for these ball clubs test positive, this this is a nightmare. Um, I don't know why this isn't working out. You have national the Nationals manager who said that he's scared. He goes to his hotel room and to the ballpark, and that is it. Davey Martinez, like he he said, he's he's scared of this virus. He doesn't want to die. He doesn't want to get it. So he's been going doing the proper thing that he should be doing. Wake up. From the hotel, eat your breakfast at the hotel, whatever. Do what you got to do. Boom, right to the ballpark. Take no chances. These players need to do the same thing. This is not a bubble like the NBA per se, but it is in the sense that you are in a bubble in the hotel. Stay in the hotel. You have your food in the hotel. You go to sleep in the hotel and you go to the game. Now, when you got to travel and all of that, yes, there's going to be employees at the hotel. There's going to be, you know, employees that are taking you in buses to the airport. You're getting on the airplane with, with you know, maybe flight attendants or, or pilots. You don't know where they've been, et cetera, et cetera. But you can still curb this and make sure that you are doing better and not causing this to get out of control because we're almost at the point where, we're going to have to cancel this season. I mean, we're, we're really almost there. 
And if we're not there right now, we are sitting on the edge of being we're 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 on we're on the cusp here because I have a fantasy baseball team and I have money involved. And when my players are not playing every single day and it's a, you know, week to week matchup, I'm losing out here. So granted, that's on a much smaller scale as people that are testing positive and their lives may be on the line and their livelihoods and their families' lives and and all that stuff as well. But if they don't go and create a bubble, which I still don't think is the right thing to do because in the NBA, granted, you have, what, 15-man rosters or whatever it is, uh, it's far less than than what the baseball teams have with at least 33, and they're, of course, going to whittle it down eventually to those 25-man rosters right now. But, I mean... It, it, it's it's insane. Well, they have 33, I think, traveling, and then they have the player pool with players that are just waiting on deck. Um, it, it, it's absurd. So, um, I, I I mean, I don't know what is going on to where another player just tested positive on the Miami Marlins. I mean, to me, that is absurd. Earlier in the week, uh, Jeff Passan spoke about what, what's going to happen with the Marlins, and here's what he had to say. This is one big shrug emoji right now because I don't think anybody knows what the answer is. This is uncharted waters for Major League Baseball. And like I said earlier, when I said they're scrambling, they really are in the moment trying to figure out what's next and just make it to the next day as opposed to the next week or the next month. Yeah, uh, he doesn't even know. And I don't I think that's the problem. Nobody really knows what to do. And of course, the bottom line is the money. This is all about money. They want the season to to uh, continue and to finish. And listen, the, the games that have been going on, they've been entertaining. I've been watching them. It's been fun to have baseball back. But it's just frustrating when you have a player that tests positive and all of a sudden the entire game gets canceled. You have a player pool. If that guy was not in contact with anybody else, then get somebody else or or you don't maybe you don't need somebody else and you just play the game. Now granted, when you have a f- four guys, you shouldn't have played the game as did the Marlins, but we have contact tracing, we have daily testing and again back to last week's episode. This daily testing has got to improve. Okay? Because Juan Soto has finally been cleared, Aroldis Chapman has not been cleared. Tell me how Granted, I'm not a scientist, I'm not a doctor, and I spoke to my friend who is in med school, but how is it that you have a virus that's inside of you, apparently, that is so deadly, yet you're not experiencing any symptoms? Juan Soto had no symptoms, and the majority of these athletes have had no symptoms, okay? Um, Freddie Freeman, yes, he felt like he was on his deathbed for two days with 104-degree fever. Rudy Gobert, I know, said he still didn't have his sense of smell as of last month, whatever. But for the majority of these players, Juan Soto, 21 years old, does not have symptoms, yet you're telling me he has a deadly virus inside of him? So then how come he tested positive on Tuesday— then by Saturday, he had tested negative. I, I mean, what, what, what about this 14-day quarantine period where it has to move through your system and all that? I, I mean, this is ridiculous. And the best part is the protocols state that you have to test negative back-to-back within a 24-hour span. And Soto, that, for Soto, that was not the case, although he finally did um, test uh, negative back-to-back. So he should be rejoining the team tomorrow. He was cleared um, by officials, health officials, and, and MLB. Now, Araldis Chapman has not been back yet, and he tested positive well before Juan Soto. So here's my problem with this. This test is wildly, wildly inaccurate. It is clear as day. Araldis Chapman, another guy that is not testing positive. Have you seen Araldis Chapman? I mean, this dude is yoked. He is absolutely in peak physical shape. He is in as good a shape as any athlete ever, okay? So you're telling me he has a deadly virus inside of him, has zero symptoms, yet one day he's testing negative and the next day he's testing positive and then he tests negative, but he has to test negative twice in a row. I mean, this test clearly is inaccurate. Clearly we're seeing false, uh, false positives in these some of these cases. I, I just don't understand this. This 
this virus has been around since at least December 2019, which uh, let's be real. It's been around a lot longer than that. China just did not divulge that information. They tried to contain it, and that did not work out very well. So it's been around since December. We are now in July. It's July 31st. We're in August, basically, right? That is such a long time to me. Um, in science, that might not be as long, but it, we're in unprecedented territory here, unprecedented times. You're telling me that this test is not, they have not formulated a, a, a test that can be 100% accurate at this rate or close enough to it. We're talking, this thing sounds like it's at like a 45, 50, maybe 60% accuracy uh, at this point. And, and that's absurd. Because if you test somebody and they come back positive, oh, that's another number. Somebody tested positive. But then the next day you test them and they're negative. Well, what is it? Are they positive or are they negative? Well, if they have no, if they have no symptoms, in my eyes, they're negative this whole time. So the test does not work and it isn't accurate. And not only that, the testing t- is taking too long to come back. You had Juan Soto test positive on Tuesday. He didn't get the results till Thursday, so he went out and practiced on Wednesday. What is the point of testing every day if we're not going to get the results back the same day? This has to change for the better. Let's go. Major League Baseball is in the spotlight right now, and they are failing miserably. And I said Long ago, back with the Astros cheating scandal, if Rob Manfred does not handle this properly, he should not retain his job. And now look what he's doing. Not handling this protocol properly, the coronavirus, this is a mess for Major League Baseball. And Rob Manfred is continuing to dig his grave deeper and deeper and deeper. And he did so with... The Joe Kelly suspension. So what am I talking about? Well, the Astros and the Dodgers faced off in a two-game series, okay? We all know that the Astros cheated to beat the Dodgers in the World Series, correct? So on Tuesday, these two met for the first time since the fallout from the cheating scandal where zero Astros players were fa- faced any sort of discipline. There was a couple managers, GMs, etc., fines, all that, but no Astros player. They were all given immunity, which everybody questioned and said, why in the earth or why on earth would you give these players immunity when they blatantly cheated? Okay, so here's what happened. Pick this one up in the sixth inning. Joe Kelly throws a 96 mile an hour fastball right over the head of Alex Bregman on a 3-0 pitch, no less. Clearly, there was some intent there, right? Okay, it didn't end there. Now, granted, Bregman was like, really, bro? Like, really? But he he didn't say anything. He just took it in stride. He was kind of, I think, more so thankful that he didn't just die from that 96-mile-an-hour fastball right over his head. I don't know how he ducked under it just in time. And for all you kids out there that, that you know, growing up playing baseball, here's a little tip for you. If a ball is thrown over your head and you have to duck to get out of the way, Always make sure you drop your bat because so many times you will see a player duck, but they still hold the bat up. So guess what? The ball hits the bat and then you have a foul ball and it's a strike instead of, you know, in Bregman's case, ball four. So just a little tip out there for all you youngsters. But it did not end there. Bregman takes his base. Everything seemed okay couple batters later. Now, granted, Joe Kelly clearly was struggling getting his breaking pitches over. Definitely was. Okay, Carlos Correa comes up, and Kelly then threw a curve up and in on Correa before eventually striking him out on the slider. As he walked off the mound, oh, this was great. This this brought up some some hilarious memes of Joe Kelly. He mocked Carlos Correa, made a crying face, and uh, you know there was some there was some uh, not safe for work type language that was being used, and Correa. Gets upset. He comes at him. He says, why don't you throw me a fastball? Um, all this, all this, you know, banter back and forth. There was not social distancing when these benches cleared and they were getting in each other's jaws and whatnot. Nothing broke out uh, because of it, luckily. But surprisingly enough, both managers or sorry, Dusty Baker was fined an undisclosed amount. Okay. Um, 
Joe Kelly was suspended. He wasn't suspended one game. He wasn't suspended two games, okay? He was suspended a whopping eight games. Eight games. Do you realize what that means in the grand scheme of things as far as a shortened 60-game season? That is the equivalent of 22 games in a 162-game season. And then, of course, Dave Roberts, manager of the Dodgers, was suspended a game as well, which is absurd that he was suspended. Like, what did he do wrong? Okay, he can't control his players for jumping out there and, 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 you know, clearing the bench. But MLB cited, you know, Joe Kelly's history of throwing at players, et cetera, et cetera, whatever. Just ridiculous. Players came to his aid. A lot of players are upset because, of course, the Astros players were never punished. Joe Kelly didn't hit a single player. He might have thrown at two guys, but let's be real. He didn't even hit anybody. Not, there was no fight that, real, that broke out. I, I, this is absurd. So he, the Dodgers did win this game 5-2. to two. Joe Kelly, um, he appealed the suspension, so he was available to pitch yesterday. I don't know if he will win this appeal, but my goodness. Um, Again, Rob Manfred looking really, really bad in the eyes of the players, Um, especially with the fallout from the Marlins. You add uh, David Price, a member of the Dodgers who opted out of the season, absolutely slammed the commissioner. He took to Twitter and had this to say. Now we really get to see if MLB is going to put players' health first. Remember when Manfred said players' health was paramount? Part of the reason I'm at home right now is because players' health wasn't being put first. I can see that hasn't changed. Is he wrong? Absolutely not. Because Manfred doesn't want to pause the season to get this under control. What he's going to do is, like I said earlier, the Marlins... And Phillies haven't played all week. Those teams are isolating. They're not playing right now through Sunday. And then eventually, we're going to see if they will pick things up again. They're going to play some double headers, and it's just going to continue on. So player safety really isn't being put to the test or being put forth a- as a priority at this point. Okay. Um, Let's pick this one up to Wednesday's game, the game in which, which I said that Joe Kelly was available to play in because he did appeal the suspension. We take this one in the 13th inning, this by far the longest game thus far in the short season. Uh, the Dodgers and Astros, a couple of really stud youngsters pitching on the mound. That kid for uh, the Dodgers, Dustin May, was just absolutely lights out. I, I mean, he has been in two starts now um, with the shelved um, Clayton Kershaw. He has been just dominant in two starts so far. So kudos to him because he is he is one to watch out for, honest, honestly. He, he is a stud. And then for the Astros, we all know that they have serious pitching issues in the starting rotation, okay? Shout out to uh, fellow New Jerseyan, uh, Brandon Belak, who was called up earlier this week by the Houston Astros, okay, uh, played at St. Joe's, which is the same school that um, Andrew Bynum played at, as well as Jay Williams and a host of others, Carl Anthony Towns, etc. But anyway, this guy Javier on the Astros stepped up in a big way, and he was throwing some electric, I mean, well above average type sliders. I mean, this thing, the backdoor slider that he had working to lefties, I it just, uh, he had it working. And, you know, he goes five and two thirds, gives up just two hits and one run, had eight strikeouts on the day. Unfortunately for the Astros, they would fall to the Dodgers in the 13th inning. Edwin Rios hits a home run to give them the eventual 4-2 win. And they sweep the Astros and get a little bit of revenge in a shortened two-game series. And like I said, that was by far the longest game of the season so far. And as far as baseball news goes, I want to say that that is it. Um, the 
one last thing, actually. I was going to hold this for, for later on, but I remembered it, so I will talk about it now. Like I said, so there are a bunch of teams that, like the Phillies, have canceled games. They haven't played all week. The Marlins, the same thing. And the Yankees didn't get to play the Phillies either. So now what they're going to do is they're going to have to play a lot of doubleheaders to make up, you know, make up for these missed games. So what they just proposed, Major League Baseball and the Players Union have agreed they are going to play seven inning games on these doubleheader days. So the reasoning behind it and the thought process is to help preserve pitchers' arms because a lot of people in and around sports believe that there is a higher likelihood or higher percentage chance of injury happening in a shortened season like this. And pitchers, obviously, we all know the history with the Tommy John surgery and the elbows and the UCLs and the loose bodies and all that. So they have agreed seven inning double headers. I'm not thrilled about that whatsoever. I really just, I, I don't like it. You're not going to like it either when your team loses in seven innings by one run when they could have possibly won the game. I, I just, it's going to take away save opportunities for those playing that play fantasy baseball. It's going to take, it's going to, it's going to hurt your relievers. It's going to hurt your starters because they're going to say, oh, well, they, we only have to play seven games. So we'll just use this like a bullpen game and we'll throw our starter for only three innings. So you're not going to get a win there. I just don't like the whole thing. So, but that's, that's really the, you know, the big news in the last couple of days, they have agreed to shortened double headers. Next up, the NBA is back, people. It is back. We had two games last night. Going to Disney World! Yeah! This is now officially happening. It's an exciting challenge. A once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for everyone who participates. The world's attention will be on the NBA in Orlando, Florida. Welcome to the NBA! With authority, James Harden! He's on Gordon! Mr. Clutch rising again. Okay, so yes, we had two games kick off the NBA restart in Orlando in the bubble, and it did not disappoint. I will admit the first game was a little tough to watch, but picked it up in the fourth quarter when it was a tightly contested one, and it was fun. It was it was what we've all been waiting for, right? Months and months, since March 11th, okay? Now, but before we get to those two games, just some quick things to go over real quick, right? Okay. Let's talk about this whole Lou Williams situation because Lou Williams left the bubble earlier uh, or last week because uh, he had a funeral to go to. But in fact, I don't know. I guess after the funeral, I don't know. In Atlanta, he went to a strip club for quote unquote chicken wangs. Okay. Uh, let's, try, let, let's break that down, right? First of all, not a good look. For Lou Williams, not a good look for the NBA, but especially bad for the Los Angeles Clippers because he made a selfish decision to go to a strip club, whether it was for food or whether it was for women, okay? Because real, come on, what are you going to a strip club for, right? Okay, you're cooped up in that bubble, you know, you haven't had the touch of a woman in a while, like two weeks and you're like, hmm, you know, I'm out of the bubble. I might as well make the most of it. Totally selfish decision. Well, because of that decision, he was put in a mandatory 10-day quarantine, so he did miss yesterday's game, and he will miss another game as well. The Clippers paid the ultimate price because they do end up losing last night's game, which I will get into more of that in a bit. But... He did try to defend himself, did Lou Williams, okay? And he said that everybody knows that my favorite restaurant in Atlanta is Magic City, which is the Gentleman's Club, because, you know, I go there all the time. They have an actual dish named after me. They have a, a, a chicken wang named after him and, uh, and, and whatnot, right? So that's believable there, yes. But what's not believable is that he just went there for the chicken wings, okay? 
That is the part that frustrates me, and that is the part that I cannot believe. Because if he just wanted the chicken wings, he would have had his homie or, you know, somebody else, part of his entourage, go and get the chicken wings for him. I mean, come on. So you mean to tell me a guy that's been cooped up in a bubble without the touch of a woman, without being able to, you know, to feel good, just went to the strip club to feel some chicken wings and to eat some food? I don't think so. He went there for an he had an agenda. That's why he went there. And like I said, that was a selfish move. And that was wrong on Lou Williams and his team paid the ultimate price last night. But I do have to say one thing. Okay. What is up with these chicken wings? Because everybody has been co-signing these things, saying how good they are and, and, and how everybody goes there and eats them. And I mean, even Kevin Harlan got in on the action during one of the final exhibition games. I want to see how much pull we have in the city of Atlanta, see if we can get some of those chicken wings oh, sent down here to Orlando. Oh, no, because you I can, didn't. We can, celebrate, <laughs> we can celebrate the restart with those wings. <laughs> I mean, even Reggie Miller was laughing at that. That was just, that was awesome. Um, but yeah, uh, honestly, bad move for, for Lou Williams. Not a good look for the NBA. And... Another tough blow for the Clippers last night was the fact that they were without big man Montrez Harrell, who has just been outside the bubble for weeks now. We still don't know his status. Um, He has been tending to a a personal family matter, I guess. Really little limited information on that. Uh, He has tested negative each day that he has been away, so that is good. Next up, Zion Williamson. Good news for NBA fans. He was cleared to play yesterday, and he did show up, and he did play. And, uh, you know, shockingly enough, this team is on the outside looking in at the eighth seed, trying to make the playoffs, and Zion played just 15 minutes, which to me was shocking. Um I'm totally confused as to why he only played 15 minutes. The Jazz, who found themselves in a nine-point deficit entering the fourth quarter, came all the way back, won the game on a pair of Rudy Gobert free throws, and Zion didn't play in the final seven minutes of the game, recorded zero rebounds, had just one assist. Now, why on earth... Did Zion not play more? We wish we could have played him down the stretch, but uh, you know, it used the minutes that was uh, that was given to us. So uh, you know, that's just you know, that's the way it is. They weren't holding me back. Uh, I was, yeah, I did want to be out there, but um, you know, we're just working my way back into my flow. That's all it is. Working your way back into your flow, and that's got to be so frustrating for Alvin Gentry, as you heard. You know, he allotted the minutes restriction that he was allowed so basically Alvin Gentry is being told from the GM or from the powers that be that you cannot play him more than 15 minutes Zion Williamson ladies and gentlemen just turned 20 years old last month you mean to tell me that this guy is on a on a minutes restriction he's not even coming off an injury He's coming off a hiatus of not having played in months, but they've been at practice every day. And I will say one thing. If the eating ain't good in this bubble, then why is Zion looking so plump? Because I'm not the only one that said this, but Zion looked heavy and he is heavy. And I think he's too heavy. And I've said this since the day that he went to Duke or the hype surrounding him in high school. This man is not going to make it in the NBA, especially if he continues to look the way he does, because he does have a lot riding on those legs and those knees, a lot of body weight. And the way he plays, you could argue is reckless and it's ferocious and it's high flying and it's trying to jump as high as he can and swat and block and dunk with these 360 dunks and blowing through sneakers. So I'd be, uh, I'm, I'd be worried if I was the Pelicans. But to put him on a minutes restriction 
When you are fighting for the eighth seed and it is a close game, he should have been in there as the number one overall pick. NBA fans, that's why you want Zion in the bubble. That's why Commissioner Adam Silver made this 22 team so you could get Zion in this bubble. Now, speaking of uh, the commissioner, they are doing it right in this bubble. They tested, once again, 344 players and all of them tested negative. Adam Silver did speak on this and said what they would do in the case, in the you know in the case that somebody did get COVID or there was started you know a little bit of a spread. And here was his take on on, on that whole situation. And I think we have plans in place where we might pause, similar to what baseball is doing now. Probably if we had any significant spread at all, we'd immediately stop. And one thing we do is try to track those cases to determine where they're coming from and whether there had been spread on the campus. I would say, ultimately, we, we would cease completely if we saw that this was spreading. Right now, there's zero indication that there is going to be a spread, but that's interesting that he said they would put a pause to the season like Major League Baseball. That's not what Major League Baseball is doing. They are putting a pause on a couple of teams' seasons for about a week, and then they're going to pick back up. So a little bit different there. Okay, but now back to um, these games. So yes, Zion doesn't play. He's on a freaking minutes restriction, which to me is absurd. And I'm sorry, Alvin Gentry. I don't care the powers that be. You want to fire, you want to get fired, get fired. But if I'm Alvin Gentry, I am disobeying that order. And I am putting Zion in the game. What is seven minutes, ladies and gentlemen? I mean, come on, put him back in in the last two minutes at something. I mean, come on. We've seen this before where players are on a, a minutes restriction, but at the end, down the stretch, they're like, no, I'm going in that game. But you mean to tell me Zion didn't want to go in that game? That, to me, just proves that this team is all about Zion and not about winning. And so why are they there? And if I'm J.J. Redick, I am not happy right now that he was not in the game because you're costing me a serious, serious uh, historic mark, and that is to make the playoffs in every single season that I've been in the NBA on multiple, multiple teams. So sorry, JJ, but your streak is going to end, unfortunately, because the team doesn't care about you. They care about preserving Zion Williamson's health when yet he is just 20 years old, 20 years old, and he can't go in and play more than 15 minutes in an NBA game. Soft, soft sports have gone soft. America has gone soft. What do any does anybody know about hard work these days? Are you kidding me? No, you're just spoon-fed your whole life, and that's the problem with Zion. He's been spoon-fed since probably eighth grade, and he doesn't know what hard work is, and he doesn't know what it means to be a hardcore teammate and a, you know, a, a team player. You, you think LeBron James, and I hate LeBron James, but you mean to tell me the final couple minutes where this game was tied and going back and forth and they're trading buckets, you mean to tell me LeBron wouldn't be at the scorer's table or in his coach's ear saying, "Put, I'm going back in this game, yet Zion just sat there. I don't, I think he was, he might've been on a bike uh, or, or something or just sitting in the chairs uh, spread apart. I forget, but I mean, come on. That just pissed me off last night because I was rooting for the Pelicans. I want to see J.J. Redick make the playoffs. I want to see this team push towards playoff status. And yet they, that wasn't the case. And what's funny is they didn't really talk about this too much because Utah Jazz uh, forward or uh, Malcolm, Malcolm, what am I saying? Donovan Mitchell, excuse me, a little slip there. Donovan Mitchell really took the spotlight away from Zion, and the Pelicans should be happy about this because what came of this was interesting. So after the game, Donovan Mitchell shows up to you know the little press conference with a bulletproof vest, a bulletproof vest that he says you know has everybody every every name on it of people that have been killed by police brutality and yada yada and, and am i going to be next written on the tag or something like that am i next are you uh, is this serious now granted they there's been this whole social justice movement they put black lives matter on the court okay and adam silver let the players put social justice statements on the backs of jerseys what a player on the clippers i kid you not 
written on the back of his jersey, it said, I am a man. Well, gee, I didn't know that you were a man, guy. This is absurd. Now, here's the problem I have with that. It's hard enough to tell who the players are on the Jazz Pelicans without now not knowing their name on the backs of their jerseys because they have these statements on there. And then, the you know, like, if you want to help sell your own jersey and you're a lesser-known player in the NBA, you're not doing yourself much justice. Uh, you're not going to, you know, help sell your own jersey if we don't even know who you are. So that, to me, was an absolute joke. I am a man. Like, what does that even mean? What, I, I, you know, I, if, please, somebody shed light on that because I had no clue what that was. I was not the only one. My friends laughed at it, too, saying that it's a joke. They're handling this. It's a joke the way they're handling it. Everybody kneeled for the national anthem in the Lakers-Clippers game, and I think the Pelicans and the Jazz game as well. Now, what I will say about that national anthem, the first game I didn't want, I didn't even see what was going on, but I know in the Lakers-Clippers game, they locked arms or something, and they wore Black Lives Matter's t-shirt. That national anthem, I got to give kudos to that choir, that, that those girls, all, you know, all black female choir singing that national anthem, that was straight fire. And I will say this, I am jealous because black churches are way better than my white people churches or white folk churches that I go to. Those things are a snooze fest. Sorry, I'm not all that religious. Um, but honestly, anytime I see a black choir, I watch a lot of America's Got Talent. They always come on there. Dude, they are unbelievable. So I don't know who those ladies were and I don't care because they, they you know, actually I do kind of care because I want to know if they're actually a group or something or if they make music. Uh, professionally, but that was dope. And if you haven't heard it, you could go check it out, Twitter, YouTube, whatever. It was pretty good. And I just, I have an affinity for black choirs. I don't know. They're just, um, they're really, really good. And they harmonize well together and they're just very, very talented. And I, that part of it, I thought was amazing. The actual singing was great. I can do without the kneeling, but again, personal preference, whatever, that's their prerogative. They want to do that. Great. I just think the social justice statements on the jerseys taking it so far because I just want to know who's playing in the game. And I can't tell when I read the back of someone's jersey and it says, I am a man or equality or whatever. But for Donovan Mitchell, going back to this, for him to bring a bulletproof vest saying, am I next? Bro, you don't even know what it means to be, to be truly, you know, suppressed and to be, you know, a poor black person living in an inner city such as, you know, Chicago or New York somewhere. This man grew up in privilege, in wealth. His father was director of player relations for the New York Mets. You grew up, you knew players on the Mets. You you idolized, you know, David Price and, and all these other players on the Mets. What do you know about police brutality? Like you literally grew up in privilege. This is what I'm saying. Now, Donovan Mitchell, yes, he's a very good NBA player. He's an all-star caliber player. So it's not this certain, it's not like Colin Kaepernick where, you know, he was falling off the map and he's trying to regain recognition. But by doing every, this bulletproof vest stuff, he takes away from the rest, from the actual game, from the win. And now the spotlight is on him. Now, am I saying he did this on purpose and he was looking for the spotlight? No, but it is, you know, it, it does beg to, you know, the question whether or not he had an agenda that he was working towards or not. So I'm just over it. I, 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 I understand that the uh, commissioner, Adam Silver, wants to give the NBA players their freedoms and their, you know, allow them to express themselves in these trying times. But they did, I think they went way overboard with it, you know, way overboard. Now, a guy like LeBron James, he didn't put anything on the back of his jersey. No, he kept his name, and so did some other guys. So, you know, if you're not all going to do it, then nobody should do it. The national anthem is one thing. The statements and the Black Lives Matter on the court and everything else is a total other thing. So... I could do without that part. But as an aside, the NBA is back. Okay, we had the Jazz beat the Pelicans in game one. Now fast forward to game two, where I had my, all my marbles in on the 
Los Angeles Lakers. Now, shout out to DraftKings and FanDuel because they they hooked it up for opening night of the NBA season. FanDuel had a um amazing amazing boost. It was called Spread the Love. Every like 2500 players that bet on the Lakers uh spread, the line just kept moving up and up and up and up. So when I bet it it was like Lakers plus 4. By game time, they were like, let's just keep pushing this through halftime. Plus 52 was the final line. So all the Lakers had to do was lose by 51 points and you would win. And the max bet was $50 to win 45 and change. So bing, bang, boom. That was an easy $45 in my pocket right there, right? DraftKings had a five to one odds boost for opening night. Max bet $20. So you're getting plus 500 odds. All you have to do is pick who you think money line, pregame money line, who's going to win the game straight up any opening day game. So last night or, you know, through the weekend, I think. So I decided to go all in on the Lakers because the Clippers were without Montrez Harrell and without uh, Lou Williams, who led them in scoring in one of their first exhibition game. So I thought that would be a big loss there. Plus the last two exhibition games Kawhi played in, he shot horrifically just didn't look the same, whatever, not shooting the ball well. So I'm like, Lakers got this. Now, early on, the Lakers had this, and did they ever. I mean, uh, Anthony Davis was lights out in the first quarter. I think he had 14 points there. Um, he, he finished with like 20 in the first half. He went on to finish the game with 34 points, eight rebounds. Most of that from Anthony Davis, my goodness, has he improved at the free throw line, going 16 for 17 from the line. LeBron, he got off to a slow start, but down the stretch, he came up clutch. And that's not something, if you know me, that LeBron is, or that I think of LeBron, is that he's clutch, okay? But he has the go-ahead bucket with 12 seconds left to eventually to finish the game with 16, 11, and 7, which is not too shabby considering he started off a little slow. So here was LeBron with the go-ahead bucket in crunch time. Six threes by Paul George. Four second difference. LeBron on the floor. Goes on this and puts it up and in. LeBron James gives the Lakers the win. So there it was. The game-winning bucket by LeBron. Then the Lakers, uh, the Clippers, excuse me, they had a chance coming down. They had a lot of time. Ball was put in Kawhi's hands. LeBron locked him down tight. It forced Kawhi to then pass the ball back up to the top of the key to where Paul George had to just dribble around and heave up a three. It was definitely, you know, hardly contested. Whether it was a foul or not, I'm not going to speculate. They never call those at the end of the game. And it clanked off the, you know, the rim. And the Lakers hold on for the two-point win. And I hit the jackpot, so I won $100 there. 45 on the other bet. So I, you know, ended my night with a cool $145. So, you know, I'm happy as all hell. Now, on the flip side, Kawhi was better than he's been in the last couple exhibition games. He finished with 28, and Paul George added 30. George, on the previous uh, possession, he did tie it with a solid, you know, step-back three-pointer that just had me shaking in my boots for a quick second. But, um, yeah, it was it was overall a successful night in the NBA as far as the games go. I was flipping back and forth between that, the Lakers and Clippers, and, of course, the Yankee excuse me, the Yankee game, which was in a, um, a, a really long rain delay and whatnot. But uh, yeah, just it, it feels good to know that uh, sports are in fact back. Uh, it really does. Okay, we have a flurry of games coming up basically every day now that the NBA is back. And it kicks off today with the Nets and the Magic at 2.30. Okay, you have a... Uh, host of games throughout the day. I know the Celtics and Bucks are playing. There's just a, there's a lot of games. I will break down every game that's coming on that, that's worth watching this weekend a little bit later. But NBA is back, guys. That's all you need to know. Get on, turn on the TV, bet on the game, order some wings for Magic City, whatever you want to do, but the NBA is back. I'm trying to finish this podcast up so I can go watch my Nets, even though um, I'm just hoping that they can play competitively and not get absolutely destroyed. 
Okay, so next up, let's talk NFL. And it's what's crazy about this, guys, is we had one of the most prolific trades in recent NFL memory, and I'm only just getting to it now three-quarters of the way through this episode because so much else has trumped it with the NBA season coming back, with the craziness that's going on in baseball. We had my New York Jets trade all-pro safety, their best player, Jamal Adams, to the Seattle Seahawks. I have a Jamal Adams jersey. I'm ready to burn it. I am disgusted by what this man did, okay? And I am so glad to have gotten rid of him. This was an Odell Beckham situation all over again. The Seattle Seahawks will not win with Jamal Adams. There, I said it. They will not win with Jamal Adams. Not going to happen. You can't win with a me-first guy like that. Le'Veon Bell came out and, and, and was pissed at him and wrote online on Twitter that it's crazy that basically he was the one that was begging him, to the Le'Veon, to come to the Jets, and then you're just going to, I'm going to get there one year, and then you're just going to bounce. It's ridiculous. Um, so basically, to break this thing down, the New York Jets got an offer from Dan Snyder that they could not refuse a first-round pick in 2021, a first-round pick in 2022, a third-round pick in, I want to say, 2022, and they also got um, this safety from the Seahawks in McDougald, who was PFF-rated 22nd best safety last season, not too shabby. Him along with Ashton Davis, they're going to come in and they're going to split time, and they are going to make things work. There are no Jamal Adams, of course not, but think about this. You get C.J. Mosley back, and you get Avery Williamson back, two stud linebackers this season. So I think that defense will be fine. The question mark has always been, we know what Greg Williams can do as a defensive-minded coach, and that's fine. He has his baby, which is the defense. He's going to give different looks and blitzes, and the defense was solid last year, top 10. The question mark this year was Joe Douglas revamping the O-line, Sam Darnold finally getting a full season, hopefully, the maturity level. They added uh, Makai Becton in the first round to bolster that offensive line and his blind side. They've added uh, Denzel Mims in the second round, speedster receiver. They've added some key pieces, Brashad Perriman, that, that, that will hopefully, you know, getting Chris Herndon back for a full season. Le'Veon can only go up from here. His first season was just so bad. Added a veteran presence in Frank Gore. This team should be much, much improved. And I am sad to see Jamal Adams go in the sense that he was one hell of a player. And I'm just, I'm just over it. He, he says, oh, you know, no hard feelings towards Joe Douglas or, or Adam Gase. Well, you went to Manish Mehta and you just absolutely threw them under the bus and bashed them into the ground. So what do you mean no hard feelings, no love lost? We all have love lost for you, Jamal. He says, oh, I love the fans. The fans hate you. Get out of here. Go to Seattle. He says, oh, I want to spend, you know, end my career in Seattle. No, you don't. No, you don't. And they're going to find that out real quick. You're going to want to end your career in in Dallas. And I'm just glad that we didn't send him to exactly where he wanted to go, which was Dallas and the Cowboys, because yes, the Seahawks are a good team and they are contenders now for a Super Bowl. But like I said, I don't think it's going to happen and I don't see it happening. So yeah, that was the big storyline in the NFL. The Jets trade Jamal Adams and it's like, wow. And praise went all in for Joe Douglas making this move because he got a haul that sometimes you don't get for quarterbacks, and yet they got this for a safety. Shocking. Okay, next up, a slew, a bevy of NFL players have started to opt out of the season. First, you had the guard from the Kansas City Chiefs, Super Bowl-winning Chiefs, who opted out. Next up, a real big name, linebacker Dante Hightower of the Patriots foregoing an $8 million salary, ladies and gentlemen, to make just $150,000, which to me is the worst business decision of all time. Because right now, the NFL season could possibly get canceled. And if the NFL season gets canceled, uh, I don't think that they would be able to, I don't know if they'll void the contracts for the players, but um, they probably won't get as much. There's probably a stipulation there. Why would you back out now? Wait till the last minute, if anything. Uh, but he just had a kid, and that's, that's, that's unreal. You must have a lot of money if you're willing to just give up $8 million because I ain't giving up $8 million for anybody. Um, also of note, the Patriots lose Patrick Chung, to, who opted out, 
and four other players. So, so far, the Patriots have been hit the hardest by the pandemic with six total players opting out, and there could be more after that. You also have defensive tackle Eddie Goldman of the Bears, defensive tackle Michael Pierce, who the Vikings just signed to a three-year deal in free agency. I'm sure the Vikings are not happy about this. And then, of course, the Eagles' first-year player, who they just got, from uh from the 49ers wide receiver Marquise Goodwin who is in you know is in a position of legitimate concern and that's okay in my opinion why he is opting out because of course we all know that his wife and he he and his wife have struggled to have a child they've lost a ton of babies in, in pregnancy and they're finally about to have some uh I think kids or a twins or or a baby, I forget. And, you know, so he's not going to take any chances. And that, to me, is totally, totally understandable. Now, the NFL has decided they, much like the Major League Baseball, they are not going to entertain the idea of a bubble. So here is Adam Schefter with more on the NFL's safety protocols. I think the NFL is watching everything that's going on in baseball. It's watching what's going on in the bubble in Orlando with basketball. But the fact of the matter is the NFL believes that it has put into place a plan that will be effective. Nobody knows whether that will take hold and whether it will actually succeed until the season starts to unfold. But the league believes it's done the best job it can to this point to try to fend off and fight the virus. So there you have it. Okay, in other news, we have the WNBA back underway. And after a, I mean, historically bad start for Sabrina Ionescu, 0 for 8 from 3, which I believe as a number one pick is the worst mark, men's or women's, in a debut going 0 for 8. Somebody in the NBA went 0 for 7, I think. She did bounce back in her second game with a superb 33 points, 7 rebounds, and 7 assists in just her second professional game. So yeah, she is a stud. The U.S. Open has announced that it will be held without fans. Many were holding out hope being that it's not until September, but it will start September 17th at Winged Foot Golf Club in New York, and there will not be any fans in attendance. Next up, the SEC announced they will play a condensed schedule. The season will be delayed until September 26th, and it will be a 10-game conference-only schedule. So the delay here means that the SEC championship game will not be played until December 19th. Sticking with college football, Notre Dame has been added to the ACC conference for this year at least for the first time in their 132-year history. Notre Dame is a full-fledged member of a conference. It means nothing really beyond this year, and really all it took was a pandemic. So we'll see going forward if they renegotiate and decide to stay with the ACC, where they probably should be. But for now, they will be in the ACC, and they can compete for the title and conference champs. The Bills in the NFL, the Buffalo Bills, sent all rookies home from training camp yesterday following a fifth positive COVID-19 test, so taking no chances there. Sticking with the NFL, former New York Giants head coach and Jacksonville Jaguars executive Tom Coughlin was involved in a biking accident near his home in Jackson, the Jacksonville area. He sustained four broken ribs, a partially collapsed lung, and spent the night in the hospital. He said he was biking through the woods when somebody, a man, came out of nowhere and, like, clipped the front of his bike and he fell off. It Gotta give him credit, though. He got up and he went home and said he was fine, and then his family was the ones that had to convince him to go to the hospital, where it later was revealed he had a partially collapsed lung, some broken ribs, and he ended up staying the night in the hospital. So that's tough right there. Okay, next up, some baseball news. Okay. The Cardinals and Brewers game that was scheduled for today has been canceled after a player on the Cardinals, I want to say it was, tested positive. That makes six teams that will be held out of action today due to COVID-19. This is, again, not good. 
And because of these positive tests, the MLB or Major League Baseball and Rob Manfred's office have has updated its COVID-19 policies in the wake of these outbreaks. The league is now mandating the use of surgical masks instead of cloth ones during travel and is requiring every team to travel with a compliance officer whose job will be to ensure every player and staff member properly follows the league's protocol. Back to the NFL real quick. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, my pick to win the Super Bowl, just added some shade in the form of Shady McCoy. LaShawn McCoy, who, of course, is a 12-year veteran in the league, won a Super Bowl last year as a member of the Kansas City Chiefs. He now... He's now part of a running back room that consists of six dudes. So we'll have to see how that shakes out if he does make the official final 53-man roster moving forward. Next up, Mike Trout officially leaves the Los Angeles Angels to welcome his first child. The Angels placed him on the paternity list yesterday with his wife due to give birth to a boy on Monday. He should be okay to return immediately to the lineup once he comes back, as long as he tests negative every day. Shane Bieber of the Cleveland Indians, of course, no relation to Justin Bieber, becomes the fifth pitcher in the last 100 years with 13 strikeouts and zero runs allowed in back-to-back starts. I believe he is the first player with 27 strikeouts in his first two starts to a season. Also, yesterday, recapping some of baseball game, some of the games, you had Teoscar Hernandez, Christian Vasquez, and Miguel Cabrera. They all hit two home runs apiece yesterday. Oh, and Aaron Judge hit a three-run blast in the ninth inning to give the Yankees the win. They were in a really long rain delay, a few hours. They came back in the uh, bottom half of the eighth inning, and Jonathan Loizka gave up a 5-4 lead to on a two-run homer to this kid Severino. And so the Yankees saw themselves down by one headed into the ninth inning after, uh, I believe, a couple of hits. Aaron Judge came up with two men on, and he blasted a three-run shot. The Yankees would go on to win that game. And they, as of right now, besides the Miami Marlins, who haven't played They've only played three games. The Yankees are the only team in Major League Baseball with one loss. They are four and one. And they are, let's be real, they're on a collision course with the Dodgers at this point for the World Series. Next up, umpire Joe West, who made headlines a few weeks ago by calling the coronavirus basically a conspiracy theory um, and that it was fake and all this other stuff. He got it hard last uh, yesterday. So... Bo Bichette of the Toronto Blue Jays, he swung at a pitch, and he has a really long type of follow-through and a long swing. He loses grip of the bat through his follow-through and lets go of it, and it hits Joe West in the side of the head by his ear. He started bleeding immediately. He had to be removed from the game. They changed the second base umpire, then came in behind the plate. Joe West got stapled up, a few stitches, and he came back, champ that he is, and he umped third base for the rest of the game. Also, coverage of the WGC FedEx St. Jude Invitational in Memphis is currently going on through the weekend. You had Brooks Kepka shoot an impressive 8-under-62 yesterday, but right now the clubhouse leader is Brendan Todd at 11-under. Kepka is 1-over for the day. He's sitting there tied for second at 7-under. Ricky Fowler as well right there at 7-under. Um, long ways to go. Jason Day up there at 5-under, but that's on through the weekend. You could watch that. And then back to what else is on this weekend because, again, a lot of NBA going on today and tomorrow. You have the Boston Celtics tonight against the, uh, the uh, Milwaukee Bucks at 6-30. You have the Rockets and Mavericks at 9, Battle of uh, Texas right there. You have the Rangers and Giants tonight at 9. You have the A's and Mariners at 9.40. And that's all on tonight. Tomorrow, you've got the FA Cup Final, Arsenal versus Chelsea. A little Christian Pulisic right there at 12.30 on ESPN+. Plus. You've got the Heat and Denver Nuggets at 1.15 tomorrow. Let's see if Bowl Bowl gets any action for the Denver Nuggets. You have, of course, like I said, the uh, WGC FedEx St. Jude Invitational. You could watch that. 
throughout the weekend. You've got the Utah Jazz back at it for their second game against the Thunder at 3.30. The Pelicans and Clippers at 6 p.m. You've got UFC Fight Night Brunson versus Shabazian starting at 6 p.m. The MLS is back tournament quarterfinal, San Jose Earthquakes, Minnesota United FC at 8 p.m. And then you've got the Lakers versus Raptors tomorrow night at 8.30. That should be a good one. And then on Sunday, you've got Formula One British Grand Prix, if that's your thing, at 9.05 a.m. I ain't waking up that early. You've got Phoenix Mercury versus New York Liberty. That's Sabrina Ionescu at 1 p.m. if you want to catch that on ESPN. Of course, you could catch the final round of the golf tournament. You've got the Trailblazers and Celtics at 3.30 on ABC on Sunday. You've got the Dallas Wings and Vegas Aces at 6 p.m., a little WNBA. And, of course, you've got the Red Sox and Yankees, 7 p.m., ESPN. And then the Bucks face the Rockets at 8.30 to round out the weekend. And like I said, there's going to be NBA games all throughout next week as well. Um, a couple other things of note. I just saw, I got alerted to Araldis Chapman, Yankees closer, finally has tested negative twice and is set to return to the team. So that's a relief there. Um, there was one other thing that I wanted to mention that I saw on my phone before. I don't think I'm going to find it now. But in any case, that should round out the episode. And that's rounding out what you can watch all weekend. If you are bored this weekend, people, there is something seriously wrong with you because there are sports on every single minute of every single day, it seems like. So strap in. It's going to be a fun one. Um, and I can't, I can't wait for it. All right. Finally, we get to the last segment, as always, on this date in sports. We're going to right now on this date, July 31st, 2020. I don't know exactly the day that he started, but today we have to bid farewell to Mike Golick Sr. Started on ESPN Radio 22 years ago with Mike Greenberg, of course, their famous Mike and Mike radio show from 6 to 10 a.m. every single morning. I remember, you know, whether I was driving to work or waking up in the morning, going to school or whatever it was, listening to that radio show. Mike Golick Sr. really brought sports talk radio to the forefront. Before that, it was really your journalists and your newspaper writers. And he's a legend and he will be missed. Of course, they, a couple years ago, they uh, lost Mike Greenberg to um, host his own show in the morning on ESPN. Get Up, it's called. And so they, they revamped the Mike and Mike morning show and made it Golick and Wingo with Trey Wingo, formerly of you know NFL Live is where he's famously known for, and the NFL Draft. And they brought in Mike Golick Jr., who has just been a breath of fresh air. And it was Mike Golick Jr. today getting a little bit emotional as he bid farewell to his father. So take a listen. I will leave you guys with this. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy sports. Baseball is back. And now the NBA is too. Have a good weekend, everybody. Stay safe. See you next week. And I realized, like, for us, it's a little different and it's a little happier because even after we turn off the mics, you still get to be our dad. <laughs> and I think that's the, that's the part that threw all of it. Oof. I am my mom's son. <laughs> That's the part that threw all of it. And when we grew up, you know, it was it was such a big thing. And Mike and Mike became this big phenomenon. And there was so much that came along with that. And it, you always made sure that it was about us. And you always made sure that you were around for the stuff that we did. And we felt that and we saw it. And it meant so, so much to grow up feeling like that you could do anything because you two made that possible because we got to watch 
the way that you guys woke up every day and loved each other and loved us and supported all of our dreams through that. It's the reason Jake is a, is a great husband right now. It's a reason Sydney's going to be a great wife and they're going to be great parents. And you're going to be a great husband too. <laughs> and come hell or high water with my mom, that is going to be the case too. But you always put that at the forefront. You stopped calling college football games when we got to high school because you wanted to be around and support us. And then to get to do this with you for the last three years is, it'll be the highlight of my professional life, my personal life. I love you so much to get to do the thing I always wanted to do with the person I always wanted to be is such an insanely surreal thing. I, I will never forget it. Well, Thanks, I Dad. appreciate that. Well, thank you. Thank all of you. Um, <laughs> nobody going to jump in here and help, huh? about this show has been we moved here from, from Arizona because it was our baby yeah. we never aspired to do anything more than the radio show it was the pinnacle for us it's meant everything to us it's been a part of our family and that's why this means so much to us <clears throat> this is why we did it and this is why I did it for right here and what Mike just said um, all the guests and all the people we mentioned everybody was so important but there's nobody as important than who is sitting right here on the set with you right now thank you all